you talk about the Kardashians. We can really determine who are really influencing the trends, right? And and what is going to uh, be the next big thing in the next three months or in the next six months, because that would have a lot of implication uh, backwards in the supply chain on what kind of materials we want to source, uh, which kind of apparel designs or fashion items that we want to produce, and. What kind of pricing do we we want to play? I am Conrad Chua, and this is Changing Careers, a podcast about the changing nature of MBA careers and how MBAs can change their careers. Today, I'm speaking to Sasirat, who has enjoyed a successful career in Asia in consulting, supply chain management, and now in life insurance. She used her background in consulting and an MBA to make a career switch into industry. Over the course of five years, she has built up her expertise in data analytics, which she has used very effectively in her career transitions. I spoke to Sasirat when I was in Bangkok, and we talked about how different industries and companies approach data, including how to respect personal data. I started by asking Sasirat to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Sasirat Kitty Jungjit. I recently just joined AA Thailand after spending a few years in Hong Kong uh, in a supply chain management industry. Quite a big shift, but right now I can say that I'm really enjoying what I'm doing at AA. And uh, I'm currently looking into the data strategy of the company, making sure that uh, we really enhance the way we leverage the data that the company has, uh, no matter how Uh, in which format or in which structure. The data can be uh, scattered within the company, but my role is to really look into identifying how we can really make use of the data to drive insights and really make it actionable for the business. And AIA is obviously very a very big insurance company uh, in Asia. So you're based in Bangkok. The role that you have, is it for AIA's operations only in Bangkok or is it throughout Asia? Right now, I'm, cur- I'm currently focusing at the local level uh, because this is where... Uh, all the business uh, in the country is currently happening. We definitely do have ties with and, and collaboration with the group office, which is a headquarter in Hong Kong. So uh, that kind of run into two work streams. And AIA in Thailand, what kind of uh, services, uh, what are kind of the main services? Right. For AIA Thailand, we mainly focus on life insurance. The insurance industry has always used data to manage liabilities and its products. So what has been different in the last few years with data analytics in the insurance industry? I think the fundamentals of life insurance hasn't really changed much because the the foundation of it is really based on trust. So at the point of uh, application by uh, any customers, we really believe the customer are really disclosing the full Uh, information about themselves uh, in an accurate manner. Even though there is you know, an explosion of data usage, social media, or the way that uh, the consumer has generated or share much more about their lifestyle, um, the company hasn't really gone into uh, accessing those information to use it as a way to uh, decide whether to underwrite or to approve uh, the application. So you're saying that um, 
currently insurance companies already have quite a good risk model and if through the questions uh, that they ask if consumers or applicants for insurance products um, answer truthfully then whatever whatever other data at the moment that they uh, might have but don't give to insurance companies it shouldn't make a difference that's right Let's say in the list of the application, uh, there could be a question that asks about um, your lifestyle. What are your hobbies, right? So it is likely that a person who is an, an avid rock climber might be charging higher premium versus someone who is interested in gardening because of the difference in their risk exposure. Another thing is, for example, very clearly medical health record. Right. This is a kind of formal information that the insurance company can uh, obtain the consumer's consent and then reach out to whichever hospitals that uh, he or she has declared. Um, do you see any differences in terms of how different companies use data analytics uh, in Asia compared to companies outside Asia? To me, based on my experience, what really, really matters is that um, it really depends on the data, let's say the data availability, the data accessibility, the quality of it, as well as the data density. So how does this actually make a difference in the way the data analytic is being carried out? When we talk about data availability, I would give you an example of um, the previous industry that I was in. For example, supply chain management. I worked with more than 1,000 um, third-party factories to really manufacture apparels, um, furniture, or many other soft goods and half, half hard goods item for our clients in the West. What happened is that, yes, the data are available. These data are being generated by the factories on a daily basis, and there's a high velocity of it in terms of the volume that are coming in. Uh, we talk about the line production, the production progress, and where each of the items are in the supply chain. The problem is, even though the data are available, we cannot really systematically access these data because they are in the format that are not readily accessible. They could be in PDFs. They could be in physical paper forms. So that is... Um, the challenge of the industry in supply chain management that I was working with at that time, right? As compared to insurance company that I'm currently working with right now, it was different because the data that I'm dealing with today um, mainly deals with structured data, right? It's much cleaner because we have a more systematic way of really capturing this data. Even if we have the, the data available, it may not be at the level of details that we want. When we talk about e-commerce, e-commerce um, is where really benefits from data analytics because of digitalization. Everything is being captured online. All the, all the consumers' behavior, all the products down to the SKU level, everything is being captured right there. But when we talk about, let's say, even for insurance business, um, not, not everything is being done online. So it is very hard to really capture um, the data activities of the consumers right down to the details. At this point, we shifted gears. One of the drivers behind the huge increase in data is images. And I had no idea when arranging this interview that we would be talking about fashion, but that's the power of using data in today's world. 
I'll let Sasiran explain more about how data helped her previous company predict fashion trends. When we deal with data analytics, it's not just um, structured data, but we also deal with a lot of unstructured data. What are the examples of this? You talk about picture images. If we uh, want to integrate our model with external data, such as social media, uh, we really uh, get a lot of data inflows from Facebook, for example, from Instagram or from Twitters. We have to deal with a lot of, let's say, a deep learning technique or how can we really make sense of uh, what these images represent in order to systematically ana- analyze this data. Um, and at that time, we were trying to develop an engine that can predict uh, incoming trends for our customers so that we can really uh, make sure that we can shorten the production cycle and produce um, as close to the market timing as as short as possible, right? So we, we do scrape data from Instagrams and from uh, various influencers in order to analyze and see what is going to be happening next, what the consumer would want next. So that means you were looking at uh, maybe popular posts or videos and trying to figure out what people were wearing, what, exactly. what people like that. Exactly. So when we see uh, the various influencers in the fashion industry, you talk about Taylor Swift, you talk about the Kardashians. We can really determine who are really influencing the trends, right? And, and what is going to uh, be the next big thing in the next three months or in the next six months. Because that would have a lot of implication uh, backwards in the supply chain on what kind of materials we want to source, uh, which kind of apparel designs or fashion items that we want to produce, and what kind of pricing do we, we want to play. So someone like myself who has almost no style sense at all could, <laughs> could also start uh, analyzing just by analyzing the data That's uh, right. and figure out what could be the next trend. That's right. So uh, the way we do data analytics is that, of course, when we first started, no one really knew the real answers. We don't know what is right or what is wrong, right? So it takes a lot of experimentation, really uh, start from hypothesis, develop the models, gather the right data inputs, and then train and retrain the model based on the results that we have seen based on our testing. So I can say that the key success factor of data analytics is to really... Uh, get into the doing and then test the outcomes. Learn and relearn from what we do so that every time we do it, it gets better and better every time. Somehow, I don't think the power of data analytics will transform me into an Instagram fashionista celebrity anytime soon. At this point, I just want an app to warn me if I'm wearing mismatched clothes in the morning. So I then turned the conversation with Sasirat Round to ask how MBAs without the deep technical experience can survive in a world awash with data. People that we require the skills who are someone who are well-rounded in marketing, finance, leadership, management, um, project management, or even managing um, various stakeholders working across function. This is a, a kind of... Um, skills that is really important and is a kind of key success factor in any um, data analytics project. They are able to 
consider the business side of the equation for the company. And not only that, they has to be able to know what the IT architects or the data scientists are doing. What kind of tools are they using? And really give the direction to drive the project forward. The data scientists could be very good at um, building models and algorithms, but someone needs to be able to give them the direction, um, provide them with the hypothesis, and then be able to uh, drive the project forward uh, based on the outcomes of the models. That was an interview in Bangkok with Sasirat of AIA. While I learned that there is hope in the future for my wardrobe choices, Sasirat also talked about many points that my previous guests had raised. How it is important for MBAs to be that bridge, that translator between the data scientists and the other business functions. This reminds me of a Harvard Business Review article called You Don't Have to Be a Data Scientist, which talked about the importance of being a data translator. In that article, the McKinsey Global Institute estimates that by 2026, the demand for data translators in the United States alone may reach 2 to 4 million. And that article's description of a data translator fits what my guests have been talking about over the last six or seven episodes. I was very grateful to Sasirat for sharing this conversation with you. If you like this show, remember to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating to help others discover this show. You can also tweet to me at ConradChua16 on Twitter if you have any comments or questions or topics that you'd like us to explore in the com- upcoming shows. Till next time, this is Conrad Chua on Changing Careers.